Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 8.09 on a Saturday morning. Denny Long traveling in Europe. Steve Thompson in. We're pleased to be joined by Doree Saruni, uh, Hennepin County Master Gardener in studio. And uh, becoming more and more of a regular on the program. Yes, I love coming here. Yeah, yeah, and it's good to see you again. Good to I know see you again. Uh, we visited before when Denny Long was away. Uh, the phone number is a big part of the program, the text line, and we have one number for both 651 989 9226. 651 989 9226. And if you just program it to your phone, you know, as number one. Yes. Psh- then you don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, super easy. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it handy. It's good for all our programs <laughs> today. That is a great point, Teresa. Uh, prime time in the garden. Here we are in it August, is. and some of the produce have been getting green peppers, some cherry tomatoes. My tomatoes aren't quite ready yet, but mm-hmm. we're getting close. Yep. We have so much uh, uh, cloudy days in June. It really kind of slowed everything down with all the rain. People think the rain is wonderful, and it is, but that means we're not getting as much sunlight. So. The plants don't grow as quick. The fruit doesn't ripen as quickly. So yeah. it's getting there, though. Yeah, we, we've had uh, plenty of warm, humid days mm-hmm. at uh, the tomatoes yep. and uh, other things in the garden. Really do enjoy. I, I brought it up before we went on the air today, um, and it was a complaint about Japanese beetles. Yep. You've uh, raised the white flag. Yeah, <laughs> I, I tore out the grapes and said goodbye to the grapes in the fall. I just I, The Japanese beetles won the war. Mm-hmm. There's, there's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. I tipped my cap. I moved on. But I found them on my basil. That's really weird. But, I mean, they eat at least 300 different plants that we know of. Wow. And this just keeps increasing all the time. And, and, you know, they'll eat what they can. So it doesn't surprise me that they find new things. If your grapes are gone, they're going to have to eat something else now. Sure. Um, You've had some good news on that front. You haven't had a ton of complaints. Yeah, this year the Japanese beetles, you know, there's still pockets. People are still fighting with them. But um, a lot of people have not had the problems they've had this last year. That's not to say next year won't be different because it probably will. But, um, yeah, it just is a little more sporadic this year. So here we are on August 10th. Mm -hmm. Uh, Still plenty of water. That goes without saying. Mm -hmm. What about uh, fertilizing? Is this a good time to do that? That's a good idea because now is the time. You know, a month from now, everyone will be asking, when should I prune my bushes? And I would say you should have done that by August 1st. Because you need to get all your pruning done early August for everything going into the winter. So if you need to cut back your spirea or your roses or whatever, you need to do that now, like this weekend. After now, after that, not fertilizing. Any of your annuals, keep fertilizing till they're dead, till they're frost killed or you take them out. Your perennials, they should be done fertilizing now. You don't want to fertilize your perennials anymore if you're if you're doing that. Um, the reason we we do some of these changes at this time of year is because... When you prune a plant, um, in many cases you cause chemical reactions that cause the plant to grow and put on more growth, and that growth is not going to be hardy enough to make it through the winter. 
At this time of year, also, the soils start to cool down a little bit toward the end of the month. Um, nutrition becomes a little less available for the plants, so the plants, and all they're also seeing less sunlight, so the plants know they have to start shedding down, so they're bringing all their energy down into the root system. And if all of a sudden you you upset the balance and start putting a lot of nutrition into the soil again, they get confused. So they're not sure what to do. So you don't want to mess with them becoming dormant. And it takes plants a long time to adjust. You go into a house from a bright sunlight and your eyes adjust within, say, a minute or two to your dark house. It can take plants two to three months to adjust. So they turn around very slowly in many cases, what what they're doing. All right. And uh, one of the things that came from the text line right out of the gate, uh, and, and a number of things talk about uh, fertilizing, mm-hmm. and another is pruning. Mm-hmm. And I want to get to that because it has to do with, with trees specifically. Sure. Uh, when can I start cutting down uh, a dead oak tree without uh, the worry of spreading oak wilt or disease? I mean, okay. if it's dead... Dead is dead, you can cut that down. Now, if it had been, say, alive earlier in the spring and it had oak wilt and those roots have grafted onto other oak trees, that means that that disease could be in the other oak trees by the roots being grafted together. They grew together, and your cutting it down could force more of that disease into the other trees. Um, So that doesn't mean you shouldn't cut down your dead tree because you should. Um, dead is dead. Cut it down. Um, if it's a if it's a disease tree, you definitely want to cut it down. If it's not a disease tree and a, you have a big uh, a dead tree and it's not going to hurt anything if it falls anywhere, you can leave that standing if it's not a safety hazard. Um, lots of animals will use those. Um, the predators, the the um, hawks and eagles will use those to sit and watch for mice and bunnies and things like that. Um, one thing we do know about oaks in general, mm-hmm. and it's been talked a lot about on this program, generally a live oak tree you don't want to touch right. during the growing season. Right. That's the same with your ash, your oak, your elm, and most of your fruit trees. You don't want to be damaging or wounding them during the during the season when there's diseases and insects around that can move those diseases, uh, vector those diseases from one a disease plant to a healthy plant. So if a storm damage happens or if you have to cut a limb, then you have to do the pruning sealer immediately afterwards. You, you can't wait half an hour. You have to do it immediately afterwards. Maple's fair game. They, Maple's they are fair game, yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, you don't want to be pruning any of your trees more than a quarter of them at a time. Dead is dead. Dead doesn't count. So dead stuff you can take out at any time. You want to get that out of there. Dead stuff can fall. It can break more branches. It can fall on you. It can hurt your children or your house or your dog or your car. So you want to take out dead stuff. Mark yeah. Garden show underway. Therese Haruni in studio, Hennepin County Master Gardener. Here's the number again, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. Let's go to the phones, get it started there. Bruce in Brooklyn Park. Bruce, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, uh, morning Bruce. Enjoy your show a lot. Quick question on iris. I cut them back a while ago. What about digging them up and splitting them? What's the deal on that? Um, Are these the big bearded irises? Yeah. Yep, you can. Now is the perfect time. August is the time to divide and and clean up your iris beds. Mm -hmm. Perfect time. All right, very good. Good. Thanks. That was Mm -hmm. a quick one. Uh, From our text line, this came in early today. Okay. What should I do with my hibiscus that is rich in leaves? But no blossoms. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess here that this is the tropical hibiscus, not the perennial hibiscus. So if it's the perennial, don't worry, it's gonna bloom. 
Um, if it's the tropical hibiscus, it could be that you're giving it a fertilizer that's got too much nitrogen in it, and it doesn't have enough of the second and third number, especially the second number. So instead of a 10-10-10, maybe do a, a 5-25 or something like that. So you get that number in the middle a little bit higher. That will help the blooming. You also want to make sure that you're giving it full sunlight because it needs a lot of sunlight. Do those two things, and it should be nice and happy and bloom for you. And all of those um, big perennial plants, uh, maybe toward the end of August, those those big um, annuals, I mean, that you want to bring into the house, start moving those into the shadier locations. They'll get more used to a little less light. So when you finally bring them into the house at the end of September or beginning of October, they'll be um, a lot less likely to go into shock. Uh, fertilizer spikes in the ground around trees, or is it too late in the season to do that? You don't want to be doing that now. That's not the right time. Um, do it in the spring if you must. Um, you know, the fertilizer spike is just going to spread out a little bit. It doesn't hurt, but trees normally don't need to be fertilized. Trees have a root system that should be getting all the nutrition they need from a good soil around them. So top dressing with a compost is usually the best thing for your trees. Um, you don't really have to fertilize trees. They should be happy without being fertilized. Are aphids on milkweed at all harmful to caterpillars, butterflies, or bees? They're not harmful to those insects, but they will kind of knock back, knock back the um, the. Uh, milkweed a little bit. And then you might have ants up there that are like beating up on the caterpillars because they're protecting the aphids. That's the only thing you have to worry about. I usually can knock the aphids off with water, uh, but it's all a system. It's all works together. You don't really have to worry too much about it. All right. So we have a text about the insecticides and killing bees. And I know there's a lot of sensitivity mm-hmm. about using insecticides because of the pollinators and talk about pollinators. But I know... August is really prime time for the yellow jackets to come out it is. and get around the soda cans yep. and other sweet things. Yep. So you're probably better off instead of using an insecticide, which would kill everything, maybe using some traps um, and get those and get and trap the 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 yellow jackets and and plan your your situation accordingly. You know, don't don't plan where there is a big yellow jacket nest. Plan your part picnic somewhere else. But yeah, use the traps. Those are a little better, a little less intensive, um, hurting hurting um, the uh, the environment. Yeah, and uh, we get back to pollinators. This mm-hmm. is really an important topic, and it's really moved front and center in the it last has. five has. or ten mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed with how people are getting behind, and they're starting to understand that it's all connected. Because it really is all connected. You know, uh, this was the year of space when we celebrated landing on the moon. Uh, Apollo what 11. was it, like 50 years ago or whatever. Sure. I, my math is not good. But, um, but if you look, we live on a little tiny ball. We're all together in this. It's, it, everything you do affects everything else, and it's all connected. And I think a lot of people are starting to see how connected we are and how reliant we are on the pollinators and how reliant they are on us. It's a two-way street. Um, and, and I've been amazed by just the number of uh, monarchs that I've been seeing lately just because people are leaving those milkweeds up in the yard and they aren't using the insecticides indiscriminately and, and they're just being a little more careful with their environment. And you can see nature just comes back so strong and beautiful and it's a wonderful thing to see. It is our Smart Garden Show. Teresa Rooney in studio, Hennepin County Master Gardener. And philosopher. Yes. <laughs> Very well, very well put, I should say. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. 
Teresa Rooney in studio, Hennepin County Master Gardener and philosopher <laughs> on this Saturday morning here at CCO. And by the way, our, our phone number is 651-989-9226. Uh, that's good for phone calls and texts. Uh, we have a ton of texts already. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's bring in Paul and Ogilvy. Paul, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Paul. Yes. I I got a problem with grapes. Yeah. Okay. For years, last five, six years, about, they come along just beautiful until warm weather, hot weather hits, and all of a sudden they just start to wither and die and turn black and so on. Oh, well, this, dear. This year when it happened, I mean, I've hit them with every spray that I can think of mm-hmm. and other people. Mm-hmm. But this year when I did it, I hit them right. I hit them with Roundup. <laughs> So you have so, no more great problems at all. That's right. Now, in order to get rid of that fungus, am I going to have to leave that ground bare for years? Or? Well, you know, I honestly don't know what the problem was with the grapes. So I would need to research that first. If you know what it is, you should be able to go on to the extension website, extension.umn.edu, and click, click on the garden tab, and then you can go into grapes and find the problem. If it was a grape wilt or a fungus or what the problem was. And then that will tell you how long it needs to be in the soil, usually, or how long it could be in the soil. Usually, um, unless it's like a verticillium wilt or something like that, usually those kind of funguses, you know, that's why we do crop rotation. So a three to four years um, leaving that soil without that family of plants in there can usually break the cycle. But again, I don't know what the problem was. I don't know what disease you were seeing. So I'd have to do some checking on that. So I would definitely go to the website and do some checking on it. And um, there's even a, uh, you can even leave a question for a master gardener how long to leave that soil um, without grapes in it uh, on the AAMG Ask a Master Gardener question at the bottom. Yeah, it, it's amazing. I tried uh, the Japanese beetles, mm-hmm. took my grapes down. Yep. But my grandfather, right in the heart of St. Paul, for years and years and years, had two grapevines that are still go- growing strong. Just and the beautiful. reason I know that is their house was up for sale again. Ah. And, you know, I just took a walk down sure. memory lane and mm-hmm. looked at some of the oh, photos cool. online oh. of the, <laughs> their old house for sale. And the grapevines are still there. Well, so the new owners of the home kept them going, keeping. and it's just yeah. great. Well, you, yeah, And you hear Jack Farrell talking about these great, oh, sure. these vineyards that have been in, you know, for hundreds of thousands, hundreds of years. So, so the grapevines can, they can be a very long-lived plant if we keep them right. Yeah, so it just really depends. But yeah, I don't know what problem he was, what he was running yeah. into. I'm really sorry about that. Yeah, let's go to Donald, Minneapolis. Donald, you're on the air. Hey, Hello. Donald. Good morning. Uh, I have two young crimson king maple trees, and they're maybe uh, 25 feet tall. And uh, I've nursed them from a, a small tree up to what they are now, mm-hmm. and they were beautiful until all of a sudden the leaves turned brown and cupped. And uh, there's new green leaves coming in. What's the matter with my trees? Um, What could have happened is they could have been hit. Um, Usually when you see the leaves start to, like, um, turn in on each other or kind of of close together, often that means a, a herbicide drift. 
So, and herbicide drifts don't have to be next door. They can go three to five miles, and we've had some crazy winds. And if people are spraying on a too hot day, all the killing part of their spray becomes vaporized and goes up into the atmosphere, and then the winds take it, and it lands on some unsuspecting plant somewhere else. Um, So so I would be happy. I'm happy that they're coming up with new growth. So just be as gentle as you can with it. Make sure you don't damage the, the stem at all. Um, if necessary, if we go droughty, give, it, give them some extra water. With trees, it's a good idea to water, but, I mean, a big tree can take 500 gallons of water a day, and none of us can sup. You know, you can't replace that, but you can do what you can do, and um, then just minimize whatever pruning that you may need to do on it. Um, but that's what I would guess happened if you see those crinkled leaves um, that's usually an herbicide drift. It's often going to be like on one side of the tree. We also did have some very strong winds that can break the leaf of leaf connection to the actual plant, but it doesn't break the leaf off. So then the leaf is almost, it's not getting any energy, so then it can die too. Um, hail can also take them out. So, so those are some options that you've got. But if you're seeing new growth, that's a wonderful thing. It means your plants should recover just fine. And from hail damaged trees will bounce back. Hail damaged trees will bounce back, yeah. Cannon Falls, uh, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. We've got five hydrangea bushes out in front of our house. One of them, leaves and and flowers came in perfect. One is super delayed. We've just got leaves coming in now. And the other three have these really clumps of really tight leaves kind of curl upon itself. Mm Mm-hmm. My plan was just to kind of wait and see what happens next year, but not sure if I'm losing them or what. Um, Are they all the same kind of hydrangea? They are. Okay. Uh, Sometimes when you get those like uh, thick clumps of of growth at an end, those are called witch's brooms. Um, You see them a lot of times by the freeway where the salt has damaged some of the ends of the growth and they get this really thick concentration. It's just some damage happened right at that growing point. Um, Usually can cut those out. They should be fine. Um, I would just like watch them and keep, you know, give them, it's a little too late to fertilize this year, but you can top dress with compost. That would be a good thing. Keep them well watered and and just watch them. They should be okay. They should recover. And then just see if those ones that are getting those those really thick, clumpy growths, are they being hit by a snowblower? Are they being hit by the street salt snow? Um, is there some damage that they could have had? If you notice it jump onto the next one, then I'd probably remove those just in case. But I, I think it's more of a physical damage rather than a disease. Quick break. We have more on our Smart Garden Show. Teresa Rooney, a Hennepin County Master Gardener, joining us in studio. Uh, the phone number is 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. We look forward to hearing from you. It is our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Teresa Rooney in studio, a Hennepin County Master Gardener. And we welcome your calls and texts. 651-989-9226, We have a lot of calls and texts on the program. Uh, for the moment, we have some phone lines open, but our text line is full. We, we could probably do two hours just on Oh, we're going to do two hours today? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> on our text line, it's just, it's just amazing. Well, you know, if I can't get to everybody, they should go to extension.umn.edu and click on the Garden tab. You can find a lot of your answers there. Or go to garden centers and, I'm sorry, farmer's markets and check out your master gardeners there. 
Um, Wigalias. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm getting that right. Uh, Grow way too fast. How often can I trim them? Do I need to do it monthly? If I don't trim them, they grow across my sidewalk. They okay. kind of take over. <laughs> That's kind of the wrong plant in the wrong place then. Um, so so you can trim them as often as you want to. But you may want to think, is there a better place for this plant and a smaller wajilia to put in that area? Oh, okay. that, the, the, it's, it's, you know, because if they're, they want to be big, some of them. There are some little tiny ones that would make a better um, fit in that area. So maybe think about moving that big plant to another area where it can really be- get big and beautiful. And then you could put a smaller one in to echo the same kind of plant, um, even the same color, similar color, but in an area where you don't have to fight. Otherwise, just keep pruning it. All right. I have two hydrangeas, one normal size, one about eight feet tall. Can I cut it way back? You, you can. Again, it depends upon which which hydrangea it is. And now is not the best time to be doing all this pruning. Um, if you want to prune, get it done this weekend and then no more pruning. Okay, I'll give you a, like a week a week ahead of time. Okay, just go ahead. Um, but get it done right away if you if you want to cut it back. I would, again, off of, um, out at the Arboretum, they're doing a bunch of hydrangea tests and rose tests. So you can go out there and see how the hydrangeas are supposed to look, how they work, how they go without a lot of care, and then they're doing some testing on roses too. So there's a lot of cool stuff out at the Arboretum to really look at your plants in full bloom. At the beginning of the program, I brought up Japanese beetles yes. and now my basil. Well, from our text line, the Japanese beetles are decimating my basswood tree. Does it mean that'll happen every year? My husband doesn't want to use pesticides. But is that the only defense? Um, it's not the only defense. My my first defense for Japanese beetles would be um, to, to try to get to them early. That's kind of hard on a tree. But then to invite as many birds into your yard as possible. Uh, the cardinals, the, star, the starlings, and the ch- uh, sparrows are starting to take Japanese beetles and eat them. So bring those birds in. That will really help. As to whether or not they're going to hit your basswood, um, it depends. Some years they will and some years they won't, and you'll just have to kind of go with it. Um, we're still getting this invasion of this population. It's still increasing. It eventually will mellow out. We will survive it, but we'll just have to go through this change. Um, so we just have to kind of see how it goes. And the populations do move around and shift. So I can't say you're going to get it every year. I can't say next year will be any better. It is that time of year. Uh, people are wondering when they can divide daylilies and cone flowers, I would add, uh, of course, hostas. What, what about lilies? You know, you never want to divide a plant when it's blooming. So anything that's blooming, no. So your cone flowers, no. That should be done early in the spring. Daylilies, hostas, divide those any old time you want to. Peonies, now is the time to move them. Irises, now is the time to move them and divide them and clean them up if you want. Um, you want to get all that stuff done by, say, uh, the second week of September at the latest, so those plants have time to get in and get your new um, new perennials in by like the second or third week of September too. All right, uh, question about turf. My lawn is lumpy and sparse. When can I aerate, uh, take those little plugs out, and can the grass be cut after that? Uh, people trying to manage their yep, turf. Yep, turf. And the university has an excellent lawn care calendar, extension.umn.edu. Um, this time of year is a perfect time to do your 
um, aeration, which is where you pull the little cores up. That's an absolutely perfect time. And then you could go ahead and you can overseed the third or fourth week of August into like the first or second week of September is a perfect time to overseed. It's a little bit cooler. The ground is nice and warm, so those se- uh, these, uh, seeds sprout quickly. And we have nice um, dampness in the night to keep them moist. And there's not as much hot days, not as many hot days. So you still have to water. But, yeah, fall is the best time to overseed. All right, so uh, core aeration, though, no. that is a big deal. That's a big deal, and and you probably need to have it done if, if your lawn feels compacted. You've got kids running over it. You've got the mailman walking over it every time. You live in an established neighborhood, and it's never been done on your lawn. Your lawn probably would could really use that. Uh, here's one from the text line. One scan, our text number and our phone number, same deal, 651-989-9226. We've made it easy. Uh, how and when can I transplant hollyhocks? Hmm. Well, it depends. Um, most hollyhocks are biennial, so once they flower, they're gone. There are a few that are perennial. You can transplant them when they're not blooming. So in the spring when they come up, um, if they've just got their leaves on, you can go ahead and move them now. If they're blooming now, it's not the best time to transplant them. What I would say is let them finish blooming, um, collect the seeds, and then put those seeds where you want them next year. To the phone lines we go. We promise we'll get back to the text line, but uh, we have a number of calls waiting. Let's go to Cheryl in Cambridge. Cheryl, you're on the air. Hi, Good Cheryl. Good morning. Yes, I have a question about ants in the yard and also coming up in the cracks between our on our sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Oh. All right, Cheryl, very okay. good. Those, that's a good question. Um, ants are wonderful creatures in nature. They eat a lot of weed seeds. They clean up a lot of dead animals and bugs and things like that, and, and they aerate your soil. However, ants um, in the lawn mean that you have a lawn problem. Your lawn is too thin. Um, your, the grass might be too short. There's not enough grass there to, um, to grow tall and to shade everything out. Shade, shade all those weed seeds out so the weeds are coming up and there's lots of bare areas and it's kind of dry and that's a perfect place for ants. So the ants are really happy that you're growing a really bad lawn. They're also really happy that you have a sidewalk that's nice and dry and um, and they can really get between those, those slabs and really um, get a great big home. Y- you can use an, uh, insecticides to kill them. You can also change your turf so that your turf becomes thicker and healthier and you won't have an ant problem out there. Um, on the sidewalks, you know, um, you can go ahead and use some insecticide. Uh, there, there's baits you can use. There's, there's um, boiling water. Now, understand that what you see from the anthills are like one-tenth of what there is. There's like 90% of it's underground. So you may think you've killed the anthill because there's no life, and then a month later you see ants all over again. Well, that's because they've sent them up from below. So, so, so understand your ants are there for a reason, and if you just make it not that fun for them, they'll probably go away. The phone lines again here on our Smart Garden Show with Therese Saruni today. Let's go to Wade and Hopkins. Wade, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Wade. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I had a question about Stella arrows. I put them in uh, in June, I think, uh, early June, and uh, they're starting to shut down. I've been deadheading them every morning, Mm -hmm. but uh, I've got uh, got rabbits in the yard. Okay. And I'm not sure if it's just the time of year 
where they're starting to shut down or if the rabbits that are actually eating them. I'm what, not sure if they're What do you mean by shut back. down? What do you well, mean? in other words, they're not blooming anymore. Oh, okay. Well, you know, if you do you just move them, you said? Or put uh, them no, in? I just planted them. My daughter and I planted them in June. Okay. So, uh, so they're... Okay, so the fact that you got any flowers is really good because um, because they didn't have that much of a rootstock to get all that energy to flower because it takes a lot of energy to flower. So what I would do is give them a pass this year. What they need to do now is grow a bunch of roots so that next year they will you will be able to deadhead like you've been doing, which is what you need to do to keep them reblooming, and they'll do much better. So what you can do this time this year is just say, okay, we're done blooming this year for the Stellas. They're going to get a lot of energy into their roots, and then next year we'll have longer bloom time because they're just like baby plants, even though they were big. They have to grow a lot of roots. So you want them to grow those roots. You can top dress with a little compost. Just keep watering them. The rabbits probably aren't going to bother them because the rabbits only want nice, fresh growth. They're not going to take the big growth of the Stella. So this year, they're not going to bloom as much. Next year, they'll be longer blooming for you. The phones again here in our Smart Garden show. Judy in St. Louis Park. Judy, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Judy. Hi. I got many questions. What's the difference between muskmelon and cantaloupe? My son has planted cantaloupe and watermelon. They all bloom. The watermelon are now little tiny watermelon, and all there is is blooms on the cantaloupe. Okay. I, I don't know which one he planted. Oh, okay. Anyway. Um, I'm not 100% um, sure of the difference either. Sometimes uh, one is green and one is muskmelons, I think, are usually green and cantaloupes are usually orange flesh. But um, it, it's just the wording, too. Um, it depends on how how many days to um, to maturity these plants are. If he planted a fast-blooming cantaloupe or muskmelon, he'll be better off. But if it's one that takes 150 days, he's not going to probably see any fruit. Um, and, and the watermelon probably just um, fruited earlier and got fertilized. So you want to make sure that you're seeing male and female flowers on the plants. And if possible, I would go out there today and find those male and female flowers. You'll feed the female flowers have a little um, bulge at the bottom. That's the ovary, that ovary, that ovary. Oh, whatever. That will turn into the um, into the fruit. So if you find a male flower, it doesn't have that. So you can take that male flower off and poke it onto the female flowers, and that will fertilize them if the bees and, and wasps aren't doing that for you. And hopefully they'll still have time to become a fruit and ripen. Um, it could just be how the flowering took place and how the pollination took place, why you're not seeing any fruit on some of those plants. Yeah, and um, they can be a challenge. You they know, can. They can. Zucchini can be a challenge. Yep. There, there's just some insects that like those plants. Yep, yep, and that's why you need, if possible, if you're growing anything that you ever want to fruit, uh, your fruit trees, your tomatoes, your your anything, you want to have pollinating plants that will attract the pollinators into the spring, summer, and fall besides those plants. Because if those pollinators get used to coming to your yard, they will pollinate all your plants for you. Uh, we have a quick break. We have okay. more on our Smart Gardens show. The number... For the text or phone line, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. Quick break here on the CCO. It is our Smart Garden Show, and once again, Therese Rooney in studio today. The fair is coming the up. The fair is coming. You yeah. can find master gardeners at the fair. So bring your lawn and garden questions to the master gardeners. We're up in the horticulture building. That's that cool white 
octagonal kind of building um, uh, right across from the haunted house. And, and they'll also, I'll be talking on the dirt stage. So there'll be a lot of different gardening classes on the dirt stage. Um, I know we've got other master gardeners out there doing some classes on tomatoes and shade plants and hydroponics and all kinds of really cool stuff. So, you know, even if you don't want to learn anything about gardening, you can come and sit at the dirt stage and get off of your feet for a few minutes and just pretend you're learning something. And of course, the Smart Garden Show from the fair from the at the fair. WCCO yes. radio booth. So you'll actually be able to see these people. Ha, not me, because I have a face for radio, but um, you'll actually be able to see these people, um, what they look like and and everything else. So I think Julie and Mary are going to be there, or at least Julie for sure. I don't know who's... It's not me anyway. They've got it all covered. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, both Saturdays of the fair, Denny Long, and either Julie or Mary uh, from uh, the stage at the CCO radio booth. Looks and I heard Julie might have presents for people, but I'm nice. not sure. I'm not That's sure about that. That's the rumor, anyway. That's the rumor. Let's go to Chuck in Millbank. Chuck, you're on the air. Hi, Chuck. Is that Millbank, South Dakota? That's right. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. What can I do for uh, you? I have a uh, fairly young apple tree, and it is just loaded with apples, but the branches are so low on the bottom. Can I cut those off now, or do I have to wait? I would wait. What I would also do is if it's really heavy loaded, it's this is the part that's going to hurt, Chuck. Go out and take a bunch of that fruit off, uh, maybe a quarter of it or a tenth of it, just to give that tree some light. Um, so it's not going to break in the wind. Take some stress off of that tree. Um, and also, the more you take off this year, the more you'll have next year. You uh, Fruit trees tend to fruit really heavy one year. Apple trees do and really light the next year because they wore themselves out. But if you can cull some of the fruit, you can even out that so you can get a good crop every year, not a good super, super crop and a nothing the next year. Um, and then go ahead and in the springtime, uh, like February, March, you can go out there and prune the fruit tree. You may want to tie a little string around the, the branches that you know you want to cut. And remember, cut only a quarter at a time, only a quarter of the entire plant at a time. Good luck. For the phone lines again, Diane and Blaine. Hello. Hi, Diane. Diane? All right. Well, oh, no, she's gone. Well, yeah, and we we apologize for that, Diane, but... Uh, uh, Diane, she, call, go to the uh, go to the Master Gardener website, yeah. the, uh, the extension.uman.edu. You can click on the garden tab and get some information. Um, let's go back to the text line and see if we we really overwhelmed by text today. So thanks for all of those, and we apologize once again if we don't uh, get to all of these today. Uh, is it okay to plant a new spirea bush? Now. Yes, now's a good time to plant those bushes. Plant all the bushes, plant all your perennials, go for it. Fill okay. up your yard. All right, uh, here's one I was going to follow up on. Maybe you've got a spot you want to put bulbs in the ground. What's the best time to put bulbs, tulips, etc. in the ground? Tulips, Later in the year? Um, tulips, and you'll see them toward the end of the month coming into the garden centers. As soon as you see the daffodils, plant them. Um, and as tulips, you can plant any time up until the ground freezes. So I've planted tulips in a blizzard. I wouldn't suggest that, but you can do it. <laughs> as long as you can get them in the if ground. If you can get them in the ground, you can plant tulips. But get those dafts in as soon as you can. Uh, one of my best apple trees looks weak. Small, undersized leaves, no apples. 
What can I do to help it get through the winter? Okay, what? first of all, make sure all of your fruit trees, you're protecting them for critter, from critters in the winter. Take hardware cloth, make a cylinder, and protect the trunk from the base of the tree all the way up to the first branch so deer and rabbits and mice can't get to the trunk. Um, also make sure you keep watering, top dress with a little compost. And, uh, um, you know, it really depends. If you really have a problem with a tree, always call a certified arborist to come in and look at it if you're really worried. They will give you an idea of what's actually going on. They can treat, see the situation right there. All right. My grandma used to bring in geraniums in the winter, then replant them in the spring. She had the plants for many years. Mm-hmm. How do you go about taking a plant outside and bringing, bringing it, it in? in? What's okay mm-hmm. to do that? Geraniums come to mind? Any of your plants that you're growing outside, you can probably bring them in. Geraniums were grown as house plants for many years, so you can bring them in, cut them back, grow them in a house, grow them in the house in your sunniest window. Some people um, take them out of the soil, brush off most of the dirt, and throw them in a paper bag and put them in a cool down, a cool basement, and then they pot them up again in the spring. You can take cuttings and start new plants. Any of your other plants you want to bring in, you can do that too. Um, the extension site will have a really good options for you for bringing in all those plants. Any plants you want to bring in, I would suggest toward the... September-ish, you put them in a shadier location. They'll get used to less sun, less light. Before you bring them in, wash them really well. Give them a good spray. Clean up the containers really well, too, the saucers underneath so you don't bring in slugs and icky things. Bring them into your house. Segregate them from the rest of your plants for about two to three weeks to make sure they don't have any bugs on them. And then put them in the windows where they're going to be and keep them as happy as ever. Um, Will perennials come back if the rabbits have devoured them? Maybe. It's a possibility, and this is this is why you say that. Oh, they got my uh, lilies this year. You put up a fence right in, in, in end of September. Put up a chicken wire fence around those lilies. Do it in the fall because the bunnies will be out there in the spring eating those little nubbins as they come up out of the ground before you even realize they're there. So you have to put the protection up in the fall because there's very little way that you'll be aware of those things coming up before the bunnies do. All right, so good luck if you have yeah. a rabbit problem. Yeah. And, and you know, rabbits, they'll eat a lot of things, but, you know, you can um, leave those big trees up for snags so the hawks and the owls are there and they can swoop down and eat those bunnies in the, in the nighttime. Plant clover in your grass. That's what the bunnies really want to eat. And while they're out there frolicking in the clover at night, the owls can eat the bunnies and the foxes, and you can just feed the whole web system there. Yeah. The circle of life. The circle of life. (laughs) Uh, Teresa Rooney, uh, we're out of time. Oh, no. Hennepin County Master Gardener. Once again, the website. Extension.umn.edu. Click on the garden tab. And also sign up for the newsletter. It has lots of cool information on it. Thanks, Steve. So it does, quickly. Steve. Thank you. Did well. Thanks. Yeah, Teresa Rooney once again joining us. Our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. By the way, Denny Long is off. He is on a European trip. He'll be back in a couple of weeks here on the CCO. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.